Peace be upon you. One of the questions that comes up often when people are, you know, studying the scripture are the descriptions of hell. That it's described in such horrendous terms. That there is fire, there is uh, people confined in iron pots and shackled. And in essence, it's a horrendous, terrible place. And the question is, why would God put these souls inside hell? And I want to consider something. Out of all the names God chose when he was describing himself to his readers in the Quran, was he used two names, Ar-Rahman and Rahim. And these names, the most gracious, the most merciful, come from the same root as the womb of a mother. And you consider when a child is in the womb of a mother, the mother gives it unconditional love, gives it affection. It doesn't ask, you know, is this a good child or a bad child? No, the mother unconditionally will protect, will feed, will nourish this child. And these are the attributes that God has selected to introduce himself to his reader. On top of 113 surahs, we have this statement, Bismillah rahman rahim that out of all the attributes, God wanted to emphasize these ones, that he's most gracious, he's most merciful. And again, that this root, the meaning of these words, comes from the same root as the womb of a mother. Now, imagine you're a child, okay? And you're exploring the world. And on the wall, you see an electrical socket. You don't know it's an electrical socket, but you go and you innately want to go and play with it. You want to stick your fingers in it. And then you turn and you look at your, you know, father, your mother, and they get angry. They're yelling at you. And you say, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Okay, I guess they really don't want me playing with this thing, you know? And you, you attribute the repercussions to them. You think that they're the ones, that, that they're the reasons you need to stay away from this electrical socket. Then you get a little older. And you realize that, okay, the reason they were getting angry, it's not in the sense that they were genuinely angry at me. They wanted to protect me. They wanted to make sure that I don't get injured. And you get a little older and you understand the concept of voltage and current and how this could severely injure an individual who in essence is tampering with this device. And you gain an appreciation for your mother and your father for treating you in such ways. In the Quran, God tells us that God does not shy away from any allegory. Meaning that he's being upfront with us with the repercussions if we make the wrong decision. Now imagine you have a terminal illness, right? Your friends, your family, they're all going to try to convince you that, look, you got this, you're fine, you're going to make this. But when it comes to the doctor, the doctor is the one you are looking to, to give you honest feedback. How are you progressing? And if you can't get that honest feedback from the doctor, then in essence, you're only fooling yourself. Now, it's hard for us to tell our loved ones, the, our, our family members, that if they continue down the wrong path, the repercussions of hell are so horrendous. So God does not sugarcoat how bad hell is. But God is giving us these descriptions in a very vivid way. But hell is way worse than we can imagine. And if God was to describe it in those terms, we wouldn't be able to comprehend how bad hell is. So God gives us very graphic, visceral imagery of hell. Now, what's interesting is, if you ask someone who suffered with tremendous amount of pain, but then also suffered with tremendous amount of depression, 
and you ask him which one is worse? Is it the physical pain or the depression? Hands down, they will tell you that the despair and pain they faced from the depression was exponentially worse than any physical pain they suffered. The reason is, is because when you're in a state of hopelessness and despair, there's nothing that feels like it's going to lift your mood. But when it comes to physical pain, in essence, you know that, okay, at some point, this is going to end. You don't necessarily have that state of hopelessness that you do when one is depressed. Now, imagine if God described hell as depression, sadness. It's hard for us to grasp how miserable, how terrible that is. So by using, again, these visceral descriptions, this is something that a child and a PhD can both understand. But when you study the Quran further, you realize that the absence of God is hell. And God is not an aggressor. God does not force people against their will. He gives everyone the choice. You can either choose to be in God's kingdom and have all the blessings that comes with being in close proximity to God, or you can choose to leave God's kingdom. And the choice is up to us. We look at the example of Satan. Satan made the active choice that he preferred to spend eternity in hell if it meant the preservation of his ego. That he was willing to defy God and all the blessings that God had to offer because he wanted to go to hell. Now, it's hard for us to grasp to think that there's individuals in this world who want to go to hell. But this is a choice that every day we're offered to make. This world serves as a halfway house. This world, you can experience both that of heaven and hell. And the choice of which one we choose is up to us. As stated in previous episodes, the word disbeliever, kafar, has two meanings. One is that of a disbeliever. The other is that of someone who's unappreciative. Someone who's unappreciative does not see the value in all the blessings they have. They take it for granted. And this is exactly what Satan did. He did not realize the blessing, the privilege he had of being in God's kingdom. And he was unappreciative. And because of that, he was living in hell. He was miserable. His rage got the best of him. Now consider this. You were born into this world. We are inundated with blessings left and right. Right now, you're listening to this podcast and you have to contemplate what a miracle this is. I'm pushing air through my throat. It's being vibrated by my vocal cords, manipulated by my tongue, being picked up by sensors inside my microphone, being digitally processed from an analog signal to a digital signal, being transmitted over the internet, onto your device, into your speakers that are vibrating this sound and the manipulation of air so that the, the follicles in your ears can transmit that audible sound into an electrical pulse that your brain understands as language. And this was all given to you at no cost, at no expense. This is something that, praise God, the human being was granted by God's leave. And you think about the infinite number of blessings you have around you, right? If this morning you got up and you, you brushed your teeth, that you could turn on the tap water and have fresh, clean water. If you use the restroom and again, uh, you got to flush that toilet, right? That, that, that sewage, that filth 
was being disposed of and you didn't have to think about it. You didn't have to worry that this is going to affect your uh, uh, crops, that it's going to give you uh, cholera, uh, that it was taken care of and you didn't have to do anything. That you step into a shower and you can turn on amazing hot water and take a nice warm shower. That these blessings, again, you did, you were born into this. All this was around you, right? You consider the food you eat, that you can walk into a grocery store and see endless amounts of meats and vegetables and fruits. And all these things are readily available to you. You didn't have to go and grow the wheat to, to mill and to make into bread. You didn't have to go and uh, uh, sacrifice the, uh, the, 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 the cow to get that delicious steak. It's all prepackaged, readily available for you at an affordable price. And are we not amazed that, again, we go in there and just this vast selection readily available. Uh, you want any food, right? Let's say you don't want to cook. You want to go to a restaurant, probably within five square miles of you. How many hundreds of restaurants are available that at the drop of a hat, trained chefs are going to prepare your meal for you. Servants are going to come out and uh, <laughs> deliver it to you. What an amazing blessing this is. Now contemplate, if someone is unappreciative, despite all these blessings, they don't see the upside of this. They're miserable. They're upset. They're frustrated. And what's interesting is that actually having more for most people will make them more unappreciative. Because when you have the best of everything, all of a sudden, if it doesn't meet your standard, you have reason to complain. That's why you see these you know, millionaires, billionaires, uh, celebrities, and they're some of the most miserable people on this planet that they've taken this stuff for granted. Now consider, God has infinite provisions and we're in this world as a halfway house. How do you teach appreciation if you have infinite resources, if you have infinite provisions, if you have infinite of anything? The only way you can train people to become appreciative for something is you have to momentarily make that object scarce. Now imagine you have a child, right? And you realize your child is getting spoiled. So what you need to do is you need to curtail those accesses that the child has that is leading them to become unappreciative. And God does the same thing with the human being. He doesn't do this to punish us. He does this for us to remember that God alone is the creator, that God alone is the one who can get us out of these states of frustration, that God alone is the one who can provide us all these things that we love, that there's no other entity in the entire universe that has this capability. And by momentarily, pulling this away from us. It's allowing us to pull closer to God. That's why God gives the example in the Quran of those who in essence, they worship idols, but when they're in the middle of the sea, stranded in total darkness, that they start imploring God alone. And God saves them. But most people, they revert, they forget. And it's interesting, as a human being, this concept of forgetting is a blessing and a curse. In one regard, let's say you had your heart broken or you had some tragedy that happened to you, it's a real blessing to be able to forget that, right? It's a blessing not to have to live with that forever. That, you know, in essence, over time, the, the, the wounds heal. But the downside of forgetting is that, again, we forget all the blessings that God has given us, the feet we walk with, right? The clothes we wear, the homes we live in, the beds we sleep on, all these infinite blessings that God has given us, we take those for granted. And the purpose of being a believer is to be appreciative. In Surah 14, verse 7, it says, The more you thank me, the more I give you. But if you turn unappreciative, then my retribution is severe.
Now, this retribution, again, you can think of it in the sense that God is going to come after these people. He's going to punish them. He's really going to make them suffer. But if you understand that, again, God is most gracious, most merciful, that he's treating us no different than a parent treats their child, that they love their child, they want the best for their child, that occasionally you have to discipline that child for their own sake. Because if you don't, their outcome will be exponentially worse. And God does this to us. If we become unappreciative, right, he puts us in a situation of scarcity, of lack thereof, in order for us to come back to the right path. Now imagine this. Picture your favorite food. I don't know, maybe it's pizza, maybe it's spaghetti, maybe it's a chipotle burrito. Imagine your favorite place on earth, some tropical location or some cabin in the woods. Imagine you had the best of everything you could possibly want. Now imagine if that was your state for all of eternity. For all of eternity, you'd be eating that one meal. For all of eternity, you'd be living in that one locale. For all of eternity, there will be no novelty. There will be nothing new. How short of a time frame before that becomes utter hell? When you consider that, you realize hell is not about the aspect of fire and uh, uh, being confined in iron pots. It's this concept that you've distanced yourself, you've severed yourself from the Creator, the one who provides us with everything, the one who gives us novelty, who makes us appreciative, that without that, we're going to be in a state of utter misery, despite whatever provisions we ask, because that's what we would have for all of eternity. Now consider this. They've done this uh, experiment where they take people and they put them inside a, uh, uh, a room. And they say, look, you have to sit here for, you know, X number of uh, time until the, uh, the, the researcher comes back. And you're not allowed to do anything. You can't be on your phone, nothing. But if you get bored, there's this electrical buzzard and you can shock yourself. Now, what's fascinating is most people, rather than being confined with, you know, the 15, 20 minutes, however long they've been in that room with nothing more than their thoughts, they prefer to shock themselves. Why? Because they're looking for that novelty to feel alive. People in a state of hell will do anything in order to just get that little bit of novelty that only God can provide. Now, if hell was described in these terms, it seems, oh yeah, that's not so bad. I get my best food. I get the best lodging. I get the best, you know, tropical location. We, we wouldn't be able to comprehend how quickly that just digresses into utter despair and pointlessness. So God describes it in terms that, again, are these visceral images for us to understand. Now, you contrast this with the opposite. The person who's in a perpetual state of awe, who's constantly reflecting and just amazed by the creation of God in all the beauty. They're going to be staring at a flower and just being marveling at God's majesty. They're going to stare at a sunset and see the clouds and just constantly in a state of euphoria. Do you think that person is going to be a violent, angry individual? Or do you think that person is going to be a calm, loving individual? Do you think that person is going to want to radiate that love, that compassion that they feel towards their creator, towards the other creations of God? Or do you think they're going to be aggressive and hostile towards others in need? When we see people being violent, aggressive, angry, just despicable, we realize what they're lacking 
is the peace that God provides. They're lacking this heaven that God is giving us all access to because they're looking for reasons to fight, reasons to attack, reasons to be hostile. And God tells us in the Quran that the majority of the verses are straightforward. They're easy to understand. They constitute the essence of the scripture. That when God introduces himself as most gracious, most merciful, they viewed the lenses of the verses through the eyes of someone who wrote this, who's the most gracious, the most merciful. But it warns us that in addition to these straightforward verses that constitute the essence of the Quran, there's multiple meaning verses. And those who have perversity, who have uh, uh, division in their heart, are going to pursue these meanings in order to create tension among the believers, in order to create hatred among people. So if someone reads the Quran solely with the intention of attacking others, to being aggressive, to being condemning of other people, then in essence they've lost the bigger plot of the Quran. The Quran is brought here to elevate the human being. And by God's leave, when one of us is elevated, he's going to turn to his brothers and sisters and show them that there's a better way, that there's a way to peace, that there's a way to glorify God. And all it takes is the moment to take a step back and look around you and realize all the infinite blessings that God has given you. But again, most of us, we forget. And when we do that, we're just leading ourselves astray. And if we're not careful, we're going to be aiding other people going astray as well. But if you could share, again, the light of appreciation, the glory of God with others around you, it's not only going to elevate you, it's going to elevate your entire environment around you. In this life, we have a choice. We can either be a thermometer where we gauge the temperature of the room. Or by God's leave, we can become a thermostat and adjust the temperature of the room. Now that choice of what temperature we adjusted to is up to us. God is giving us the power to be able to cool down the room, to make things calm, to bring in peace, or to turn up the heat. This choice God has given the human being. This is a tremendous responsibility. And what we do with this power is going to determine if we're going to spend this life and the hereafter in either heaven or hell. And the choice is up to us. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys uh, want to get in contact, you want to find like-minded individuals, and inshallah, remind each other of all the blessings we have, join us on our Discord server. The invite link is below. If you are looking for a translation of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store, where we break down each word in Arabic, word by word, in its uh, corresponding translation. Uh, if you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranStudyApp.com. If you're looking for more information, please check out QuranTalkBlog.com or QuranicLabs.com. And until next time, peace and God bless and stay appreciative.